they're down there swimming around, minding their own business, and then we go down. I mean, they've been seen down at 1,600 feet. They have what looks like a metallic kind of a, a silvery suit on, and they do have um, headgear, just a helmet with a little breathing device, that, but they can swim at depth. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session, tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. I'm happy to welcome Debbie Ziegelmeyer, who has worked on numerous UFO-related documentaries, including Roswell, The Final Verdict, Alien Highway, and The Alaska Triangle. She is founder and director of the Underwater Research and Recovery Team for the Mutual UFO Network and author of the 2021 book, The Alien Colonization of Earth's Waterways, a reference guide to UFO-slash-USO water-related activity. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I really appreciate you coming on because you are an expert in underwater UFOs. And uh, this is a topic that has been exploding in the American public's attention. I think going back to May 2022, when Ronald Moultrie, Under Secretary of Defense, told Congress that they had a lot of interesting reports about unidentified submerged objects, but he could not talk about it in open session. And uh, I think since then, Americans have been wondering, well, what evidence for the reality of unidentified submerged objects is available to the public? Well, I think all this actually started in 2017 when um, those uh, three videos, uh, uh, Fleur, Go Fast, and Gimbal were released. Uh, the first one uh, at Fleur, that was uh, from the Nimitz of uh, November of 2004. And, uh, you know, off the, the coast of California. And then the other two were January 21st of, um, uh, let's see, I think that was 2015. And um, that was Go Fast and Gimbal. And that was off the East Coast. So when those videos came out, the government had to do something. You've been working on underwater, sorry, unidentified submerged objects for quite a while. Uh, and you're involved in, this, in the MUFON dive team. Right? In fact, you're the founder of the MUFON dive team. Um, can you tell us anything about like what, what kind of evidence for the reality of these phenomena is sort of out there that, that we can get our hands on now? Um, well, actually, Tom Ferrario and I founded the dive team, and that was back in maybe 2003. We were working with Ted Phillips uh, on Marley Woods, and Ted's had a suggestion that we should be looking underwater. And we said, oh, absolutely. And both of us are, are expert divers. Uh, Tom's a dive master, and I'm an instructor. And uh, that's kind of where we decided we needed to start looking more underwater. The earth is 70% uh, 
water at only 5% has been explored. The, the reason for that is the depth. Um, a lot of where I think these, these uh, bases or uh, maybe motherships or whatever it is that, that they're coming, accessing the water, coming in and out of the water, uh, they're at such depth, it's beyond our capabilities. Um, I'm, as a recreational diver, or even an instructor, I'm limited to 130 feet. So I, I think that's the interesting thing. They're underwater there. They're there, and they have been for centuries. Uh, just nobody has gone down and been able to take a look. I think I kind of danced around your question, so... <laughs> You've got this dive team. What what are you guys doing? Are you diving like are you diving in the Ozarks and like digging up craft or I are you going into the oceans? Where are you diving and wh what are you doing when you dive? Well, at this point, um, it's more the expertise because you have something that has entered the water. Now maybe it's at depth, but what you what you want is somebody that knows the area that can say okay this is you're not going to see anything from the surface trying to look down and it's 1700 feet um also too you know we know about the currents and we we know what's in the area uh, we document what's in and around the area if we get to go into a place that maybe has something unidentified um, we have the expertise to do it um, at this point, there hasn't been a lot because most everything is at real, real depth. Uh, you haven't done any dives in the Midwest? I have. Um, I've dove in and around. We're, we've been looking some stuff at the Merrimack River. There's The things are coming in and out of the water, and there's nothing there. I dove Clearwater Lake. They dove that just, oh, maybe a week after uh, the uh, 1973, February 1973 um, incident there in, in Piedmont, they drove, they had divers come in and take a look. And I've also taken a look around in the lake. There really wasn't anything to find. A lot of times, once these objects go in and out, they'll go in and then they'll travel underwater for some distance. Mainly what we're trying to research is what the heck is it they want. Um, it's a good hiding place. And also too, I was thinking, what is water H2O? Hydrogen. I think they might be harvesting our hydrogen. They might be harvesting plankton, maybe for food. Um, but I believe hydrogen is involved and also, like I said, at depth, it's basis. Most of what we do or I do in particular is research the areas and we can pinpoint where the activity is. Like, um, um, in January, I'll be, I'll be spending two days on uh, Catalina Island oh, wow. uh, doing some research there. There were, I mean, there, there's still sightings going on. There's so many sightings going on. Preston Dennett wrote an entire book about it. And there's also a whole chapter in my book about what's been going on in and around Catalina Island. Um, I mean, that, that's been going on, oh my gosh, forever. Uh, well, the Nimitz um, was just about 100 miles south of Catalina Island. Well, the oceans seem to be a good place to hide because they are very deep. We can't get down there. And they're very dark, right? It gets dark very quickly in the water. Oh, it does. It it and doesn't matter the the type of flashlight or well, there's there's also been um, sightings in Russia, um, Lake Lake Baikal. It's it's forty nine hundred feet deep, but uh, in nineteen eighty two they had some divers that were down at one hundred and sixty five feet. There were seven divers and they came across um, three or four alien beings. I don't know if you ever heard about that story that they were down there 
Yeah, they, they were the equivalent of our Navy SEAL, and they, they, um, they were 165 feet with flashlights, came across these creatures. They had nothing but helmets on. Uh, they went up, told the uh, their superiors about it. A couple days later, they sent them went back down with a net, tried to throw this net over the top of one of them. They found them again, and uh, the lead alien put its hand straight out, and all seven of these divers shot from 165 feet straight to the surface. Um, you know, when you when you get down even to 130 feet for just a few minutes, you've got at least a minimum 10, 15 minutes uh, uh, decompression, safety stops. These guys had no safety stops. They would have, you know, they didn't think it through anyway, because had they caught this alien, you know, at 165 feet, they would have had to hold on to him maybe for an hour in this net, easing their way to the surface, you know, safely. But uh, they all came to the surface immediately. Uh, three of them died right off. The other four, they, they tried to stuff in one decompression chamber because they had two chambers and one was broken. And out of the, the divers, only one survived. So, I mean, there there's a lot, and I have in the book, there are a lot of instances of these 10 foot tall beings swimming in the waters in and around Russia. I have heard about this. I've worked with Russians and they have a lot of folk stories about, what is it called? Uh... They've got this lizard monster. He's like a monster. Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he's supposed to live in the rivers. He's like part human, part lizard, drags people down. Um, well, you wonder whether those stories might be based on sightings. Might be. I think that, you know, leprechauns. I think, you know, maybe that's what they described. And they might have been seeing greys back years ago. You know, the little people. You know, and, it, and folklore changes from story to story to story. But you can even go back into the Bible. And in my book, too, there's passages from the Bible talking about uh, describing a, a, a Tic Tac that was, I believe it was uh, 30 by 15 feet. I cannot. Where in the Bible is uh, is that? Oh, gosh. It's um, it's uh, Zechariah um, 5. 5-1-2, then I turned and I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold, a flying roll. And he said unto me, what seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length uh, thereof is 20 cubits and the beneath thereof 10 cubits. Uh, so 20 by 10 cubits is 15 by 30 feet. That's a flying roll. Like a bread roll. Well, like a Tic Tac. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely is the kind of thing. That's cool. This I've never heard of that particular. I've always heard of Ezekiel and, you know, Ezekiel saw the wheel. I'm like, what is that? And then, um, so since you mentioned Lake Baikal and these uh, Soviet sightings, one of the things that struck me about that is that these extraterrestrial, or whatever these things were that these people encountered, they didn't seem especially high tech like they they said they were like swimming like naked or not naked but you know they, they don't seem to be especially uniformed they're not in a metallic craft they seem to be free diving right they're free diving creatures and it made me wonder that maybe there's a, a civilization that's native to this planet that's just coexisting with us uh possibly based in the water what do you think about that i think it's a, it absolutely could be a possibility they're down there swimming around, minding their own business, and then we go down. I mean, they've been seen down at 1,600 feet. They have what looks like a metallic kind of a, a silvery suit on, and they do have uh, headgear, just a helmet with a little breathing device, that, but they can swim at depth. 
You probably don't see them shallow water because anything that's swimming at that, you know, at that depth, it would probably, um, I guess it'd be detrimental for them to swim shallow, you know, it, it, because of the pressure, you know, it's probably dangerous for them to swim, um, you know, well, dangerous because of fishermen, humans, they're smart enough to stay at depth and that's where they have been maybe for centuries. Oh, sure. And then you go back Native American stories and they, they talk about the Thunderbird and now they're beginning to realize that the Thunderbird was, you know, was probably a, a craft of some kind. So they, they've been around forever. And the thing is that um, you get stories from all over the world. You, the, there's uh, stories from Japan about um, the the lady that, that came in on this unidentified craft and they, they took her and fed her and, um, and made her one of their, you know, I guess the people in the town and pushed the craft back out to water. I think that was in the early 1800s. But these, this, these, these tales and these stories worldwide, this isn't something that, um, you know, it wasn't like we had internet and TV and all that way back in the day. The same thing with pyramids. You got pyramids all over the world. You know, how does that happen? <laughs> you know, you've got the same thing, you know, in several different parts of the world. It can't, you know, it, somebody wouldn't come up with the idea to build a, a pyramid on one side of the world and then the other just per chance. It's just, it, you know, it, it, the odds are astronomical. It's, there's some kind of outside influence, I think it's what I'm trying to say. Uh, in the Midwest, I know that we've had some sightings. We've had some instances of UFOs in water. I can think of like, uh, didn't the Cape Girardeau craft in like 1947? I thought that something in southern Missouri crashed into the Mississippi River. Am I wrong about that? I think Cape Girardeau, no, Cape is just 90 miles south of here. Cape uh, crashed, I think, into a hillside. And from what I understand, um, Reverend Huffman went over there to give last rites that I believe there were a couple dead and one alive and they shot the one and then they felt bad about it later. Supposedly they were buried there for quite a while and then somebody kept stealing the stone and they, I think they eventually moved them. I never found out exactly where they were, but I, that was on land. It was a crash with beings involved where the watercraft, uh, the, the water sightings were in Piedmont, Missouri. And um, that was in, uh, well, actually, the first one was Reggie Bone saw a craft. It was uh, over a field. That was the basketball coach that was um, apparently there was he was with um, um, some basketball students coming back from Essex, and they saw this craft over a field. Um, exactly a month later, in March of 1973, Gene Coleman and Kathy Leach saw this craft that was hovering over Clearwater Lake. There have been a lot of people. In fact, we have uh, um, the seven, the fiftieth. I'm sorry, fiftieth anniversary of the Piedmont incident is going to be next year, and I've been in the plannings with the Piedmont Chamber of Commerce, and we're hoping in April we're going to have a huge festival in town with a UFO parade and speakers, carnival rides. Um, we're at, we're just in the planning process right now, but it's been fifty years, and there are numerous witnesses that said that they have th seen lights underwater at Clearwater Lake, that they've seen things hovering over the lake, they've seen things coming in and out, and the sightings are still going on. So that's the big water sighting in Missouri is Clearwater Lake. So do you think they could have a, like a base in Clearwater Lake? 
you know, I'm not really sure, but I know um, a diver who said at right by the dam at about 100 feet, there's a big rock slab and a big crack in it. And he and his friends used to slide their way through that crack. And there's a huge cave opening underneath. Oh. And he said, it's probably God knows how many feet deeper than that. And I thought, oh, I wouldn't, I'd be afraid there'd be an earthquake and that thing would close up and I'd be stuck or, you know, so they would do cave diving in that. Uh, you don't know. We don't, we don't know if they're going in and out of a portal. If, um, if they're, it's just a place to hide. If they're regenerating hydrogen, we're not exactly sure, but we know there's a lot of activity in and out of Clearwater Lake. So what do you think about the idea that because we have so many waterways in the United States and Canada, because we've got more navigable rivers in North America than the rest of the world put together. We have the only freshwater, deep water ports in the Great Lakes. Uh, what do you think about the possibility that that could partially explain why Americans see more UFOs in the rest of the world? I don't know if we do so much. I mean, we have, thank goodness we have MUFON, which we've been around since 1969. And I, we have a place where people can report them. A lot of countries don't. But, you know, Brazil, they're not, they're not um, at all shy about putting this on the news. The government acknowledges. Uh, there are a lot of countries out there that, that acknowledge the existence. We have just tried to hide it for a long time, but I, I think that has a lot to do with it. We have more of a, a, a network of interest. We've had several different groups that have been around for, my go goodness, you know, since the 1940s and the whole Roswell incident, you know, there was these KUFOs at Peter Davenport's National UFO Re Recording Center. And, you know, we've got, like I said, MUFON. So I, I think it's brought out in the open more in the United States than any place else, but I think there's, there's numerous sightings everywhere. You just have to dig for it. But I found a lot of sightings in different places all over the world. I just tried to focus on the water. Okay. Are you familiar with Ivan T. Sanderson? I know he wrote a book, Invisible Residence, and he argues that uh, UFOs may be using freshwater as a place to do emergency pit stops when they need to make repairs, whereas he thinks the oceans are where the bases are located. Um, I don't, could be. I do have his book. So yeah, I'm very familiar with it. He had a lot of sightings in that 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 he's recorded. Um, could be. I think it's just um, convenience. You know the um, like the, the Shag Harbor incident, 1967. You know he had a craft that crashed into Shag Harbor and then moved 20 miles or so down the coast, and then another ship came in and did a repair. I think they were there for three, four days, and then they were gone. I'm excited that I'm gonna possibly get to go down there and take a look but i think that was convenience they went in right there because they had a mechanical problem uh clearwater lake i think they might be harvesting hydrogen there might be too there might be wormholes that are underwater they're going in the water going through a wormhole and you know we're not sure they, these beings could be a thousand years ahead of us technology wise so it's hard to tell but the deep 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 water in in the world i believe there's bases under there and they've been there for centuries very interesting so is clearwater lake the place you would go if you're in the midwest and you want to try to see a ufo on the water yes because when we have the conference in hopefully it's going to be in april of next year we're going to have a, uh, a sky watch there at clearwater lake and there are still lights I believe they taped something to um, um, uh, Alien Highway, I believe, 
found they did tape a couple un, you know identified lights over the top of the lake when they set up there so that that would be a place to go um rivers the there we have sightings right around um jefferson barracks the jefferson barracks bridge there have been a lot of sightings there really uh, the Mer merrimack river all up and down between fenton and oh my goodness just the merrimack river is is a very big hot spot i always hang out i hang out on the merrimack river you know what get get some very good night vision and you and look up and you would be surprised we've identified we we need to do a missouri's had an investigation going on in um you know things coming in out of the merrimack river from fenton to um washington eureka clear uh, um, st Clair. we've been doing an investigation since 2000 and fall of 2018 all the things that we have on tape coming in and out oh wow and what what kind what characteristics like do they have any are they orbs are they triangles are they saucers um yes and yes we've um some places some places they're they're small saucer shapes some of them most of what we're seeing are just really really bright lights and they're coming out of the river or they're going into the river but when they take altitude they change shape and then eventually we've got it on tape taking altitude and as it goes off in the distance, the the FAA lights all of a sudden turn on when they hit about 1,500 feet. We've got it on tape. There's a green light on the left and a red light on the right as it's going away. Uh, that's opposite of what it should be. Something has either, it's either flied up, flying upside down or backwards, but it's heading away. But, but it sounds like you're saying it's, you think it's trying to mimic our aircraft. Absolutely. And there's their same the same instance uh, back in 1973 when Harley Rutledge was at Farmington Airport and they caught the same thing. The bright light was coming in, looked like it was going to land, came, came right over him. Harley Rutledge had students uh, there at Farmington Airport videotaping. They were trying to triangulate what was going on at Clearwater Lake and, and Piedmont. And they were over in Piedmont. They were off Clearwater Lake. Uh, they were there in Farmington, set up at the airport. He had a bright light that came down, almost went to land, and then went up over their head. And as it took off, it turned on these running lights, and they were opposite. Um, I found that in his book, and uh, which was interesting. He said that they only had black and white film, and so you couldn't see that the lights were on the wrong side. But we, you know, that's what's happening. This is Missouri is a real hot spot. In fact, um, we've had a UFO uh, flap going on since the beginning of August. We've, I, I forgot, I think we had 147, let's see, wait a minute. We had a whole like 147 sightings last year. I think we've already surpassed that just between August and now. Do you think that could be connected to the drought? We've been having a drought. Uh, well, I guess that's all fall, right? All autumn, it's been a drought. Maybe uh, the river's drying up and they're not able to hide as well. Oh, that's a good, that's that's a good uh, thing to research. Sure, absolutely. Uh, some of them were Starlink, but um, a lot of them weren't because it was the same description, but Starlink is Elon Musk's satellites that he's putting up in the air. Um, and they come across in a big, long line of these bright lights and that you know, like a like a train of lights, except that people are seeing these, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. So there there is still a lot going on. But that's an interesting thing, right? The rivers are drying up. You know, it's a lot harder to hide. 
Yeah. Well, anything that you could t you could tell somebody who they they go out on the river or they go out on a local lake and they want to keep an eye out for UFOs, any advice you would give them? I well, I was at Goose Creek, um, French Village, and had a sighting of a couple different times lights that were unidentified, just the because I know the sky, and I always try and look toward the southern sky. I mean, it seems like that's where I'm finding things, but I would say go right. Um, kind of right after dark, between dusk and maybe 11 o'clock at night, and then maybe real early in the morning too. But take night vision, night uh, night vision binoculars. I have military grade night vision video camera that also takes still pictures, and um, several of us have the same camera, and we, we've picked up lights that were actually 130 miles away. But um, check your your video against flight radar 24, and you can, you can identify whether or not you've picked up an airplane. Also, uh, make sure you know what's in the sky. You can do that by looking at heavens above on their website, you know, where all the satellites and stars and planets and everything are. There's also phone apps. Um, I think mine is Skyview, where, let's see here, it's a Sky Guide. I think it's $2.99 on my Apple phone, and you can point it up at the sky and it'll tell you what you're looking at, live sky. So go out with a good camera and know your sky. That's great advice, thank you so much. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, and if you wanna buy my book, um, Alien Colonization of Earth's Waterways, it's available on Amazon in soft and hardcover in color. Ah, I was wondering about that. So you got a hardcover, is the, the hardcover is in color? Uh, they're both in color now. The The soft cover used to be in black and white, and uh, we just decided that it would be better to put it uh, soft and hard cover, and it's only available in color now. Seems like that would make a good Christmas gift for your coffee table. Well, there you go. <laughs> Thank you very much, Debbie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.